I guess, yeah, in retrospect, there's a lot of things we didn't do. <laughs> oh my goodness, I one think. second. My cat, I think I forgot to feed her. She's meowing like crazy. Welcome to the podcast, Katie Katie. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just pretty boring right now. I don't have a whole lot to talk about, I feel like. Gives you freedom to get a little crazy. <laughs> yeah, so crazy. You know, it doesn't have to be about what you're doing. It can be about what's going on inside that head of yours. Oh, yeah. little bald head of yours. But see, here's the thing. I try to, like, get away from that as much as possible. That's why I just play, like, eight hours of video games sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> There is there, there's something I say a lot in our house, which is I I gotta find out who won the the 2016 CrossFit Games, or I gotta find out who won the 2017 CrossFit Games, or I gotta find out who won the 2019 CrossFit Games. And what okay. I mean when I say this is not hey please look that up for me, but rather I'm going to watch one of these documentaries about the CrossFit Games again. <laughs> and I've watched them all a dozen times each probably. Uh, <laughs> We found out yesterday that Grace has no interest in finding out who's going to win the 2016 CrossFit Games. It's <laughs> well, very yeah. saddening. <laughs> You're surprised by this? I'm maybe not surprised. It's <laughs> hard. I'd hope. There's this, there's this great moment where Matt Frazier being interviewed and he's talking about how like, the announcers are going to say, like, uh, oh, yeah, he's going to be good at this workout because he's short. He's like, how come they never say he's going to be good at this workout because he's been Olympic weightlifting for 15 years? Like, can you just find something other to say that I'm short? It just reminds me. It's just, I could imagine you being like, can you find something other to say other than I'm bald? <laughs> I just I just baked it so, so much into my persona as a director. Like if I it was awkward and I just needed to like make a joke, I would make a bald joke. <laughs> bald joke. Get a laugh out of the kiddos. Have you tried growing your hair out more anytime recently? Yeah, it's awful. It's not good. <laughs> <laughs> I can get the sides are okay. I mean, if I do it, I look like I'm, I I had like 10, 15 years to my, <laughs> I look so much older. <laughs> I love that there's now a whole bunch of people that like uh, have taken to cutting their own hair, given all the quarantines and everything. Yeah. That's becoming a thing now. I feel like it very much normalizes my own behavior where I've, been a point to cut my own hair for a long time and it's never gotten any better <laughs> but like now it's like hey i'm, I'm, I'm i can just tell you well yeah this is a it's a, it's a quarantine habit it's kind of stuck <laughs> yeah sure <laughs> <laughs> i mean to be fair i don't i mean i guess i don't really pay attention but i never noticed like man his haircut sucks <laughs> <laughs> usually be like you would look a lot better as a bald man like me <laughs> <laughs> He came up in a job interview once. <laughs> Somebody was like, so does your wife cut your hair? I'm like, I cut my own hair. Thanks. <laughs> That's too funny. Yep. So you know, it's a, I'm a good developer. Oh, I don't waste my time at the supercuts. <laughs> uh, my last principal was like bald and he wore a beard like me. And I think that won me some points in my interview. It's <laughs> <laughs> good to know. <laughs> there's, there's Jeep people and there's bald people. 
Well, it's it's more about bald solidarity, you know? Yeah. We gotta stick together. <laughs> So, Danny, you told me that you finished the book Dune, and I'm very excited to hear about it. I love this book, and I really want to hear what you think. Do you love the book, too? Please. Yes, I love the book. It was fantastic. Yes. It was so good. Uh, I think I mentioned in my earlier parts of the reading that, like, the world building and this, the characters were jumping out at me, and that just mm. continued to get better throughout the mm. book. And uh, I don't know. It was it's, – it's definitely, like – one of my like top 10 books I've read ever. I love it. It's very good. From our reading check-ins on tech messages, it, it seemed like you were picking up the pace as the book went along. Is yeah. that how it actually Yeah, most was? definitely. Yeah. Uh, by the end, like the last night I read like 60, 70 pages, I think. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty intense bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we're going we're gonna to spoil this book. Anybody, if you haven't read Dune, if you haven't seen the movie, if you aren't familiar with it, this is your chance. Um, but uh, come on, it's a, it's a pretty old book. <laughs> Get on. <laughs> uh, so I really want to talk about the end because that's really actually the thing I probably have like opinions about. Have yeah. Opinions. Yeah. Okay. Um, but like, do you, do you want to talk about it chronologically? What, like, what was the? No, let's start right at the ending because that's probably the freshest on my mind too. Yeah. All right, so my the the thing that is my hashtag opinion about this is for all the awesome world building and all the build up and all the tension, like how crazy is it that it it's almost like he's like there's no way to bring this all together, so why even freaking try? Let's just put them all in the same room and let's just talk it out and explain it all right now. <laughs> yeah, the, the ending felt it felt rushed to me. It's like yeah, we'll yeah, just, yeah. Let's just slap it all together here. <laughs> Like, there's this kind of storytelling that is actually really in vogue now, where the first uh, several chunks of story, it's not just exposition, it's like creating like a narrative debt, where it's like, ooh, here's all these interesting things that we're just going to throw out there, and we're not going to explain it, and we're just going to assume that you're a smart reader or a smart watcher, and you're just going to catch all of it, and then when it pays off, you'll go, ooh, that was nice, you paid off that narrative debt, right? And... This world building is so good. It doesn't necessarily have that exact same feeling, but it just feels like, oh, everything's so cohesive and connected. And the, the, the characters are thinking about things in a way that I would never think about it. And then the end's like, oh, by the way, we're so smarter than you. There's no way you would have ever picked up on all the debts. So we're just going to clean it all up for you. We're going to talk it out. We're going we're gonna to threaten to destroy the universal economy because I'm the hero. And I can do that. Yeah. Yeah, that was so wild. It's like, okay, well, um, he has all this power now. It's just out of nowhere almost. Yeah, yeah. Like, he receives an epic boon, goes from level 10 to level 15, is now a regional level god. <laughs> That's so accurate. <laughs> it, uh, but the thing I think that is kind of nice about the ending is it, uh, it, it really makes clear that the story is not about like the people in it. It's the, the, the story is not about uh, the, the exact storyline of Paul. And this is not really meant to be Paul being a Messiah. And that's where it ends. The story is like, um, 
imagine all the things that are going on in worlds around you that you cannot control or affect and you just have to be whims to it and now imagine how infinitely cool it would be if there was somebody that was playing it at such a higher intellectual level that they actually could control it and they could see all the ways that they could change it like just imagine how powerful that person would be it doesn't really matter how they came to be like it doesn't really <laughs> matter and it kind of makes you think so then if you look at somebody like donald trump where it's I, I find it very hard to imagine that he actually has the intellect to be playing the three-dimensional chess to, to take control of the world. But let's just say that he did, and he figured out that you have to be a total idiot, and you have to be really chaotic, and you have to do crony capitalism, and you have to be a, you know, all the things that he is. But when you do that, you control everything, and that's what he wanted, so he did it. Like... Is that really so far out of the realm of possibility after read a book like Doom where it's like, oh, well, it turns out you have to be like a crazy mystical witch doctor and you also have to like be a crazy environmentalist person. You have to learn from the barbarians and you have to be from a rich family. And But if you have all that, you get to control everything. <laughs> so uh, Trump is Paul then? <laughs> oh, oh, man, I really didn't want to. Like hit it just like that, but I guess <laughs> well, you said you said. I immediately you much regret said this whole discussion. I immediately regret that comparison. Great, thank, thank oh. Alex. Yeah, No, no, no. Uh-uh. Uh, something else that didn't pay off quite as well. Um, I thought there would be more conflict with Jessica. Oh yeah, yeah. At the end of it, it was just like, all right, yeah. They're like they built all this tension with her, and like she was such an important character. But at the end, it was just like, oh, nah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, and that's actually probably a really good example of like the narrative debt just not paying off. Where yeah. it, it's just you can lay in all the great groundwork, and that's good world building. And nowadays, we just say as the, people probably even call it like a plot hole. Like, why, yeah. why did all this happen? And there, nothing happened. We were ready for it to happen, but nothing happened. Like, well, there wasn't an opportunity for anything to happen. They're all standing <laughs> in a room. They're literally all, all the major characters are standing in a room talking. That's the ending. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, like, I think I even texted you at one point when Gurney showed back up. And I was like, that's a great moment. Yeah, it was so good. But I, I thought, like, I thought it was going to get real intense with him and Jessica. But I mean, there was a scene. But, eh. and then, uh, is it Hawat? Th- like, he never got to, I thought he might end up coming back too, kind of like Gurney did, and they would have some kind of thing going on with Jessica, but nope, not not really. Nope. So that, that was probably my biggest disappointment from the book. I was looking forward to a little more conflict there. Did you read, I, th- I think it's like in an epilogue or an appendix or a footnote or something, where it uh, it talked about like the, the, in- the initial idea of how to start growing plants on Arrakis again and stuff? I did not know. That's actually like, I ended up thinking about that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, God, the book is just so good. Sorry. Um, but it's, so it's written by... The I don't remember all the characters' names. Sorry, uh, the, the ecologist. Yes, but it's his dad. Oh, okay. Was like the original environmentalist on Arrakis, and was basically like the founder of the Freeman. Sure, and, I don't remember uh, his name either, but yeah, yeah, um, and 
Yeah, they, but like basically they came up with like a methodology of like in, even in a place that's completely barren, here's how you can get the first, how's how you can create an oasis. And then once you have an oasis, here's how you can create a garden. And then once you have that, here's how you can connect two oasises within this range. And here's how you get the sandworms to come over here and fertilize this area. And here's how you do this. And like it, they like made like the the atomic process of that if you can just do this now for another 10,000 years, then only half the planet is desert <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> and like, um, it's, it's kind of an interesting view, uh, from then take out, this is really like Frank Herbert thinking through environmentalist ideas. Um, mm-hmm. it, in that appendix is actually like just an interesting idea of how, um, how to consider these like micro social change and environmental change movements and how it, it can really start with uh, if you're in a place that relies on coal for energy, then everything you can do to reduce energy actually helps because you're relying on coal less mm-hmm. like every tiny thing. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't mean that it's going to change the whole climate crisis tomorrow, but it does mean that you are impacting on an atomic level reliance on fossil fuels, which is on a large level, they think like if, even if you spend your whole lifetime just laying the seeds of creating the oasis in the desert, a hundred years from now, that is a bigger step of a much bigger project. Right. Yep. Yeah. It's a, it's a very cool, like very ahead of its time kind of way of expressing idea. The book is just such a good, like encapsulation to get people thinking about the world a different way. I felt like a different person after finishing that book. <laughs> I won't say it had that profound of an impact on me, but you can I, I can definitely to. see it. I can definitely see it. Okay, have you watched the movie yet? Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> the the movie is a trip. Oh yeah. It is uh it's really bad. Nice. It's, it's so bad. Because it makes the classic movie mistake of trying to fit in the entire story in mm-hmm. the movie and it's just too big. Yeah. And the the result being just like all these tiny little snippets of scenes that are trying to do so much heavy lifting mm-hmm. and so none of them make any sense <laughs> and yeah it, but it's great patrick stewart is gurney nice yeah <laughs> and and sting is baron harkonnen's bad kid um so and, here's uh, here's how we make our millions alex we need to uh, revive and make a, a good version of the movie <laughs> i mean that's all these adaptations nowadays right you know yeah we just need to jump on the train and uh use our and this is where i making... tell you that they're literally releasing a dune movie later this year yeah are you serious <laughs> i'm completely serious that's hilarious yeah it's actually it's gonna be like a two-parter thing that's that was um, my next thing is like yeah we can make like a, a trilogy out of this it'll be so trendy yeah 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 there is a uh I haven't seen it, but there's a documentary out there called Jodorowsky's Dune, which I guess I, I think Jodorowsky's like a famous filmmaker, but I'm just not a uh, literate person in film. But apparently he was doing things like he made his son take 10 years of Kung Fu lessons in order to, to allow him to play Paul and be like graceful as in the combat scenes and like <laughs> was like hiring these incredible artists to do all the sets and like you're trying to like literally make the world imagine like okay i'm gonna make dune so first i have to make disneyland but dune yes and then we're gonna film it (laughs) and so like it like took five years and nothing got released 
Well, Sorry for the that. snaps in the background. Burr is enjoying a sparkling beverage. <laughs> hi, Burr. Danny says hi. hi. We're, we're having all kinds of new interests to the podcast today. We've got Katie the Kitty. We've got Amber, my wife. Which is going to come say hi, I think. Of course. I'll pull out my saxophone later. Oh, we'll no. Just, we'll have all new characters all over the place. I can now pull out one of my euphonials. There we go. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Um, so I still I'm still not done with Dune. We gotta keep talking Dune. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so there, this is my Dune story. I was reading it and I was loving it, and I was maybe probably like in the first book done. Um, like when the I guess I don't remember exactly where all the books marked are, but after the attack on Arrakis and yeah, and that's Hong that's Hong the end of one. That's the end of okay. one. So that's probably about there. When I was watching some random YouTube video, and it happened to show a clip with Paul riding on the sandworm from the movie, <laughs> and I was like, "What in the? Come on! How did I get a spoiler on a forty-year-old book from a twenty-year-old movie in a YouTube video?" <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, like while I'm reading it. Wow, I was just about to get there. Yeah, like, I didn't know yeah. they're gonna ride the sandworms. Come on, that's pretty. That's pretty sad. So we're definitely gonna need to watch the movie together at some point, though. I'm down. Speaking of like books to movie conversions, I've been thinking a lot about the Hobbit movies. Have you, oh, yeah. you watched all, all three of the Hobbit movies? Didn't you? For sure, for sure. Yeah. What'd you What'd you think of them? I was so optimistic about them going into it because uh-huh. love Lord of the Rings movies, um, love the the stories in general. I read The Hobbit for the first time in third grade. Like, nice, love the book, and uh, saw the first one. Did went to like the midnight premiere, and Burr and I went to Denny's to get the, the Hobbit themed meals at Denny's, <laughs> and I I didn't like hate the first movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you could, you kind of have that feeling of like, oh, this just isn't as good. And I couldn't quite tell if it was like maybe just the sheen is worn off and like this doesn't feel like a new world anymore, mm-hmm. or if it's like maybe the movie just isn't as good. And then the second movie was just like, this is bad. This that was not a good movie. And then the third one was more like, I'm only going because like maybe it'll be good and then I'll be surprised, but I ex- had no expectations about it and then it was still bad. So yeah, it was yeah, just by the time, optimistic and slowly fading. Yeah. By the time I got to the third movie too, it was just, it felt like an obligation. Like, well, I'm committed yeah, to <laughs> committed to this. I guess I got to go watch it now. <laughs> yeah. It's the last one you have to care about. Yeah. Well, see, actually I really liked the first one. I was, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, uh, but yeah, it, it went quickly downhill. Uh, and the reason it's been on my mind is because the stupid Final Fantasy VII remake that I'm always talking about is kind of <laughs> taking is taking that kind of turn too. Like they had the source material and they're stretching it out, and it's going to be like three games. They're all. Oh my in. gosh. <laughs> yeah, and like, so it's interesting. Like the Dune movie, you said turned out badly partly because they try to cram too much in but mm. i felt like the hobbit movies they just they had to put too much filler in it it was, it was just too much like nonsense too much stuff that was stretched out 
Yeah, absolutely. I think I this is not a new idea, but uh, I think it makes total sense to explain the entire failure of the movie down to the people that made Lord of the Rings, Peter Jackson and his crew, are very good at taking a large amount of source material and boiling it down. And when you ask people that are good at that to take small amounts of source material and expand it out, they're just not good at it. Yeah. Like, and that seems like a total like human flaw, right? Like, sure. It, I think it's they just weren't set up to do it well. And then also taking account like Guillermo del Toro was supposed to direct it first, right? And they didn't have the prep time, and there was like legal issues, and like the movie was kind of doomed. To begin yeah. with. Yeah. So a lot of the fans of the Final Fantasy VII series are all stressed out because we all think, like, that's what's going to happen in these next mm -hmm. couple games. Like, this first one was really good, but there was obvious signs of them, like, stretching things out and a little bit of filler kind of stuff. And who knows what's going to happen in the next couple games. Because they took, like, five hours from the original game and stretched it into, like, a 30-hour game. Huh. So okay. So what are the new one, like the additional ones, going to be called? Is it still like just they, uh, they're, they're not um, at that point yet? They haven't. They've just now started talking about like getting back into production for the next one. What are the fans so, calling it? Uh, they, nobody knows right now. It's all up in the air. I mean, so this game, the first one, the remake part one, whatever you want to call it, has been in production mm -hmm. for like oh geez, five or six years. They've been talking about it for like ten. So we're a solid, like, at least three or four years probably from the next one. I saw something today that made me think about Final Fantasy VII. I'm trying to find a link for you. Uh, okay, I'm putting it in the chat. In Zoom. Got that there? Got it. Okay, look at that comic book cover that's in there and tell me if you see what I see and maybe think about Final Fantasy VII. Uh, what no, I'm not seeing it, I don't think. The guy's sword in the back. Oh, yeah, there it is. I oh see it now. Oh my gosh. I saw that and I'm like, eh, dude, are, are the, is the X-Men just Final Fantasy VII now? <laughs> that is almost <laughs> like a carbon copy of the Buster Sword, yeah. Yeah, so uh, for those that are listening, I'm, I sent Danny a link to, uh, I'll put this in the show notes too, for the upcoming X-Men crossover event, X of Swords, maybe it's Ten of Swords, I don't know. I think it's X of Swords for Stasis number one. And one of these people, that sword is clearly Final Fantasy VII Sword. What is it? What is the sword called? It's the Buster Sword. It's Cloud's Buster Sword. The Buster Sword. Yeah. And he's even really holding it in, like, the same pose, too. Exactly. Yeah, I saw that. I'm like, why didn't they just go ahead and call the guy Cloud? Like, probably know that's his name. This yep. is actually... Uh, it's a, it's a crossover event, yeah. Yeah. So what are you reading now? I am reading... Well, I've been reading a ton of comic books. Yeah. Uh, I have... So I read all of... I read the Watchmen in graphic novel. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, I love the show and I 
yeah, basically to like I gotta catch up on all this. Uh, there's gonna be a new Rorschach combo series coming out this fall. Uh, nice. So I'm going. So I read the novel for that just to kind of be all caught up. And, all, and I was talking with Peter about this a lot. I almost enjoyed it more because I seen the TV show first and was vaguely aware of the how the story went. Because as I read the novel, it was just so great how much the TV show like lived up to that work. Mm-hmm. Like the continuity was so good, and there were scenes of the TV show that then just made so much sense as you read the book. And it's kind of like how I watched the Simpsons first and I've been only been noticing Simpsons references as I got older. (laughs) It it feels like the very same thing as that. Like I I saw the TV show first and it was good on its own, but now that I'm reading the thing that started this, it's like that it's also so good. Um, Mm -hmm. Great, great art. It just does that to you. Right. Yeah. So I read that, uh, been catching up on, uh, I read through the X-Men Fantastic Four crossover that just finished. Um, and I'm reading this, the Empire event is going on in Marvel World right now, so I'm reading that stuff. And nice. for a bookie book, I'm reading a book called uh, Talent is Overrated, which I forgot the author's name. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of talked about this a, a couple weeks ago, I think. Uh, yeah, Jeffrey Colvin was the number is the author of that, and I'm just skimming through parts of it because there's a few. It, I think it came. This book was published in the late '90s, maybe or actually no, I take that back. It was probably in the mid 2000s. Um, but even still, it kind of feels dated from like a corporate organization structure sense, or maybe at least geared to places that I wouldn't want to work. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a, definitely a couple chapters there that are like, if if this is what you're trying to do. Uh, and your organization isn't uh, isn't cooperative, or it doesn't seem obvious. Then, like you need to approach your CEO this way, and it's like here's how the CEO of uh, Procter and Gamble approaches this, and like I just don't care. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I kind of have the feeling of like if I find myself working for a, you know a Fortune 500 company, that's when I just say you know what I just need to get paid a ton of money in the next year, and then I can quit. Uh, it has to be so much money that I can retire after that's the only reason I'd want to be there I would just have way more interest in being awesome at something to the point that I can do that and be left alone I want to be a great fisherman that can go catch a fish not have to go uh, do something else so that I can spend my vacation fishing right (laughs) Um, anyway but the book itself is actually really great because what it kind of stands on is that deliberate practice theory idea um where and what it really says is it has a lot of great case studies that drives home that if what you're relying on is this feeling that you have missed out on something and that's why you're not good at it you are thinking about it in the wrong way like it you might be that you missed your chance to get great at it or that practically speaking you're you're you missed your chance like if right now if i want to be an olympic gymnast Sorry, I missed my chance. Like I'm, I'm too old at this point. I'm too far off. There's, just, it's just not going to happen. The the number of hours and the instruction that I need to have happen, I needed to have that when I was four years old. It doesn't happen for three three years that are finally getting their act together. Um, but 
it's, it's fine to then acknowledge that and say, there are still so many other opportunities and there's so many things that you can get good at. And if you're going to do that, here's what you need to recognize that you need to find the opportunities to uh, break it down into things that can be worked on and get really good at those individual things. And you don't necessarily have to get good at the thing itself. So like one of the examples he talked about was Jerry Rice in the NFL had a, a significantly longer career than most wide receivers generally considered one of the best wide receivers in the game, uh, was actually, when you look at the number of minutes spent playing football over his entire career, it pales in comparison to the amount of minutes he spent doing strength and conditioning on his own. The mm-hmm. thing that actually got him to his core competency was not playing football. It was the strength and conditioning. But the thing that really then makes it excellent is when he got to the, those minutes he spent playing football, he also had enough of talent over the people that were around him. Like, once, you, once everybody's at the elite level, like, that's when talent does kind of play a factor. But, like, it's not enough to get you anywhere. Like, it's it's a deciding thing between other people that are elite. So, mm-hmm. you nobody gets to elite in anything without the deliberate practice, but there are some fields that are just so incredibly competitive that you could do all the deliberate practice, do all the right things, and it, it's very hard to find your edge. But then the people that do, it usually comes down to they found a very specific thing that is very valuable for them and they found it early and they did it very hard and very well. So in his case, it was like he trained his body to be very, very good at running. Plain and simple. Like, and he did it for decades. And so that's how he could be a 35-year-old wide receiver when nobody else could. Like, mm-hmm. he, he just trained his body the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but when you're, if you're a rookie NFL and you didn't have the same base that he had, yeah, your career's not going to be as long as his. Plain and simple. You, you, didn't, you, don't, you don't have the hours built up. Uh, it doesn't mean you're not an incredibly elite athlete. That's not what it means. You, de- you had a lot of hours built up in other things, um, but you're just not Jerry Rice. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, like, it's, it's very sobering in a way. Um, and, but I really just like how he'll take elite people like him. Like, or he, had a, he actually had really great stories regarding Mozart and Tiger Woods that uh, really nailed home how, like, Mozart was likely not Mozart because of him, but because his dad was Leopold. And Tiger Woods was not really anything special of his own other than his dad was Earl Woods. Those were much more indicators of their greatness than their own work. Like, I mean, they still went along with it, and they did the work. But it was their teacher that set them on the right track and put in just as many hours to them at the beginning and gave them so many things that other people don't get that... Uh, really set them on the path of figuring out the things they needed early. Anyway, rambling, but it's a good book. It's a, it's got a lot of good ideas. Um, but yeah, skimming through kind of the businessy, corporate stuff. I feel like there's a lot of books out there that like they have to fit in these case studies from huge companies just so that companies will buy the books for the people that work for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't care about that part. Sure. But yeah, I'm almost done with it. Actually, I've kind of stalled on it. I was like, I think I have like one or two chapters left, but I was just reading comic books and it was so much fun. <laughs> oh, and here's another uh, delicious book. I've been re- reading uh, Introduction to Algorithms, second edition. <laughs> okay. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a bundle of joy right there. Yeah, 
I don't know what I'm going to dive into next. I'm going to have to do some Google searching. Uh, last couple books I read were fiction, though, so I'm probably going to, or non, so I'll probably jump into something nonfiction. Just because you want to change your pace or because you feel guilt about not reading nonfiction right now? Uh, change your pace. Okay. Yeah, I got my fill. It feels good, though. I'm still really enjoying, like, I'm pretty consistently getting my 10 pages a day. And uh, it feels good to have read, what, I think I've read four books in the past. I guess it's been like four months, yeah. Yeah. We, we've been killing it on the books, I think. Yeah. If you come out of quarantine, somebody said, well, how do you go? Like, well, I, I decompressed and I changed jobs and I read a bunch of books. Like, yep. is that really such a bad way to spend half a year? Heck yeah. yeah. I'm super happy. Yeah. And I'm learning Spanish still. See, <laughs> si. yes, Varshavod. I, I know. Ne- yeah, I was gonna say I never hear you speaking any uh, Swedish. I am terrified that my accent has to be terrible. I'm not sure I actually <laughs> trust that it's listening to me very well because it's like, well, it's right, but like, I don't know. Yeah, I have no faith in <laughs> in the the vocal detection stuff. Because <laughs> sometimes it'll give me the okay, and I'd like totally said something. Like I said, I could say a different word sometimes and it'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely is more lenient on the talking ones. Like it'll, because it does that, like some words in green, some words in red. So yeah. like if you get like half right, you still get the credit. Like I feel yeah. like cheating. <laughs> yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's especially hard when I truly believe that if like speaking has got to be way more the test of, do you actually know the language? Oh yeah. Like, <laughs> I, right now, if you threw me in the room with a with a, with a fluent Swedish speaker, and they even though they they could like try to keep the materials like stuff that I would have learned on Duolingo, I could not even come close to keeping with what they're saying or speaking <laughs> back to them. Like, I only know the exercises I'm seeing. Yeah, yeah. I love the tap the pairs. I like tapping pairs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping you know I'll stick with it, and it'll keep getting better. That's, that's just as long as it keeps getting better, you know, maybe sure. I, I don't know if I'll ever be fluent, but, you know, it's fun. What league are you in the Spanish on Duolingo? Do you do you follow it all, the leaderboard? Uh, I do every once in a while. My mom was really into it, and she's like, I'm going to catch up to you. And, like, she slowed down on it, so no, I don't pay attention. I think I'm in Emerald. Is that a thing? Yeah, I'm in the Emerald League right now. I've been in the Emerald League for like a month. Yeah. Like the other ones were pretty easy to climb through, but some of these people are even if they're, I don't even, sometimes I doubt they're even real people. It seems like it's a little bit harder to jump out of this one. Actually, I had to put some effort to do it as opposed to like five minutes a day. (laughs) That sometimes is all I get. Well, in the real, uh, you know, kind of like the, you know, the the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was just telling you, hey, start tomorrow. Right, but yeah. like the the greatest trick the devil will pull with the Emerald Group is like, hey, if you only do the bare minimum, you still don't get kicked out of the Emerald. Group. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There's not so many go getters that you get dropped out of the Emerald Group. So long as you get on there every day, <laughs> keep your streak going, you're gonna be in the Emerald Group. <laughs> but yeah, My mom the, is so the top three is pretty insane. Oh yeah, like. And I guess there's little treasure boxes next to it, so I guess you get something if you do it, but I'll never find that out. <laughs> I think I was close to getting third place in Ruby. 
I don't think I actually got it, so I don't know if I got a prize or not. Yeah, maybe you probably just get a bunch of lingots. Or you know, there's the treasure box, like when you get your XP rewards. I wonder if you get extra XP if you win the leaderboard of the week. It's possible. Who knows? You can probably Google it and find out. But also, the XP is kind of meaningless. So I don't know. Why. Yeah, I mean, it's it's all kind of meaningless, right? The whole. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I can't speak Swedish, so of course it's me. <laughs> Did you know, like, you can skip like entire levels, like if you do the little key. Like oh, I was aware of that, but I've never actually done it. I got, I did that for like too many, and now I'm kind of like, I didn't learn some things. I was just good at taking the tests because that's me. <laughs> that's me in a nutshell. Like I'm good at test taking. So yeah, let me take. I'll just test out of this. Even though I'm just guessing on some of this educated guesses. <laughs> yep, that's a good way to learn Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> then I was like, what? I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> You really owe that to yourself, is being able to skip on your fake education. <laughs> it was so funny. It's kind of like the people that like they have their pedometers, but they just sit at their desk and like shake the pedometer. <laughs> <laughs> I got a win, dude. <laughs> You know, I also, there's something that I, I, it's bugging me that I, I feel like I've got two things stuck in my head. I'm trying to go into my mind palace and look at them. And I'm just staring at the mailbox. I know that there was something I was supposed to add to my grocery shopping list. And I can't remember it. What? And I know I had a really good idea, something to talk about on the show with you. And I can't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just trying to like, I really wish I had... Put it by the mailbox. Exactly <laughs> where it is. <laughs> you know, I, I tried to do a uh, like memory palace shopping list once too, mm -hmm. um, and I I got everything on it except for batteries. And so now now I'll like just have these random flashbacks sometimes. So you just talked about memory palace, and immediately the thing that popped in my mind was batteries. <laughs> like, dang it, I still need to buy those batteries. <laughs> <laughs> You only remember to buy batteries when you're holding the flashlight. I guess. I don't know. My mouse is going to die and I'm going to be sad having to use my little trackpad. You're only going to remember to buy batteries when you're using a trackpad. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hey, by the way, Matt Fraser won the 2016 CrossFit Games. God damn. I don't know if you knew that. I, I probably could have guessed. <laughs> of course, he's the only name I remember, so I probably would guess that for all of them. Well, he's won the last four. So, so pretty, I would be... pretty good yeah, bet. Yeah, pretty good bet. <laughs> the only reason I remember Matt Frazier is because you're like, you're you're such a fanboy. I hear that name so much. It's true. I wish my <laughs> chest hairs look as good as his. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> there's a video I was watching. Like, There's like a... Matt Frazier pre-workout powder mix thing, right? You gotta have all your powders, all your supplements, all your workout stuff so it makes you more fit. Mm -hmm. um, people call it Fraserade. Oh my god. <laughs> Sorry guys, like, so, so what does it taste like? It tastes like chest hair and fast thrusters. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs>
Oi. He's only three years younger than us. Yeah. Oh, you're you're like young for our era, right? Yeah. Were, you, a, were you young for your grade? Eighty-eighter. Yeah. I'm an eighty-seven. Yeah. May of eighty-eight. So, like, I was always the back end of like school years too. In September of eighty-seven. You're a little on the older end. Yep. I was like, I think I was the oldest person in my grade. Nice. Big city. Big, I know, big, right? Yeah. Big, big graduating class. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think, actually, I think we had, like, I was part of, like, one of the biggest graduating classes of my high school. A <laughs> solid, like, 105. Jeez. <laughs> so if you, if you had the choice, no, like, no other considerations, would you want your daughter to go to a bigger school or a smaller school? Ah. Uh. You are really hidden to the heart of stuff I think about literally every day. <laughs> like, I go back and forth every day, like, whether I want her to go to a school or not. Like, yeah, okay. <laughs> any kind of school or not. <laughs> There's so many times where I'm like, you know, I think I could, like, I don't want, I just don't want her to turn into a compliant idiot, you know? Like, <laughs> I just don't want her to, like, just follow along and do nothing but what the guidance counselor says. And just like expect somebody to put you in the right shaped box where you can get your right shaped job and do your right shaped thing in society and never question it. Like that worked out so well for us, though. <laughs> I just figured it out too late. <laughs> it, it's it's like the cave thing, right? Like, it, and I don't want to throw my I don't want to lock my daughter in the cave along with everybody else but i'm also such a bad parent that i don't want to homeschool <laughs> like, I, so part of me says like you know i think i could homeschool her adequately enough and to the point where she then she recognizes the need to find your own way and that she can become the gifted individual that i know she could be and she doesn't have to rely on a system to take care of her she can find what she needs out of the world and i can at least give her that um, but I'm not 100% confident that I can teach her the math she needs to know. <laughs> you know? She's, she still needs algebra. Well, okay, fine. Then did you enjoy your small school experience then? I guess that's, that's, uh, that's, that's more a simpler like, question. That's, yeah, that's a little bit closer, I guess, to what I was wanting. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually really did. I've got – I mean, I have – I was a troublemaker. Into, I was an intellectual troublemaker at school. <laughs> um i didn't like bring the weaponry to school or anything like that like some people i didn't like try to hit anybody but i i made multiple teachers cry <laughs> and with, with, like, wow. i don't even warfare. think i don't think i do that you, yeah. now you have to share us you have to share a story about making a teacher cry if you have to now <laughs> um, i'm not i'm not really proud of it uh, like actually, it's one of those things that I was proud of it at the time, and I've sure. grown yeah. more and more like. Oh, of course, like what's like a teenage yeah. dream? Like you, you won, you won school. <laughs> yeah, really, that's how I felt. Like, yeah, it's like I figured out the game, and I'm too far along enough for them not to graduate me, and it would look bad on them for a person as intelligent as me to not graduate, and like, <laughs> especially when it's like I here's like, okay, here's the. Here, here's like the most definitive teacher crying me being a total jerk wad story. Um, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm putting this on the internet. <laughs> You're the worst friend. 
that's what I'm here for. <laughs> um, okay, so I think it was, it would have been the fall of my senior year, um, pretty late in the fall, because it would have been close to the time of state marching band. And mm-hmm. it's worth noting that, so I, at this point, I had already decided, like, I'm going to be a music major in college. And I cared very deeply about our band program. And I I identified as, like, I, I was the drum major and first chair saxophone and a leader in our band. And that's who I am at the school. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't even necessarily the best musician at the school. But I was certainly in the top three. And I was not, like, the most... Uh, I did not have the most people following me. I was not the greatest leader at the school, but I would have been in the top three. And I was not the smartest person at the school, but I would have been in the top five. Uh, And so that combination, I felt like, just meant that I was allowed to set my own priorities. That was my opinion. Um, And there, there was something that I had an excused absence for something, and I missed an exam in my AP English class, which I also didn't want to be taking to begin with. My parents forced me to take all the AP classes I could. That were that was I didn't roughly sure that, that yeah. fit schedules and all that stuff. Yeah, Same yeah, way yeah. I didn't want to take French, but it was the Commonwealth Diploma requires you to get four years of a foreign language and they were like, you're too smart not to get the Commonwealth Diploma. So I had to take four years of French. Anyway. <laughs> That kind of stuff. I didn't even want to take this class. It was with a teacher who, looking back, yes, a wonderful woman who deserved better students than me, who was doing her best and is one of the good ones. But she and I did not get along. And uh, this was my second class with her. And we had butted heads many times before. Okay. And so I had some kind of excused absence. And I missed an exam in the class. And there was, she decided to bring this up. And she was, like, at the front of the class, and I was, like, at the back of the class. And rather than, like, having this discussion, like, up at her desk or after class or right before class or whatever, she, like, was talking at me from the front of the class while I was in the back in front of all the students. Sure. So she probably sees this as a chance to assert some authority. I see it as the chance to raise some hell. <laughs> and she was like, so you missed this exam. You need to make it up, um, let's say, Wednesday after class, because that's when it works for me. And I said, there's marching band practice that day. No, that's not going to work. And she said, an AP English class trumps marching band. And I said, hold on a second, let me do some math. And she's like, what are you talking about? If you do this, like she like literally goes on like a, a, a minute long rant about how she gets to decide this. It's not my place. It's how to do it. And I was calculating what would happen to my grade for the semester if I took a zero on the exam. And I figured out I'll get no less than a C in the class for the semester. So I said, I'll take the zero instead. <laughs> and I like, left it there. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and, and, and she's like, that's not acceptable. You can't just not take the exam so that you can attend an extracurricular. And I said, okay, well, then this is what's going to happen. I'll come up when you're telling, and when I finish the exam, I'm allowed to go to band practice, right? She said, yes. She said, so I'm going, to come, I'm going to come here. You'll give me the exam. I will write my name on it. I will write X's on every page. I'll hand it in so I can have a zero, and then I'll go to practice. <laughs> like, <laughs> And uh, 
she started crying and left the room. <laughs> <laughs> and I, of course, am just thinking, like, I did it. I called her bluff. Like, yeah. <laughs> I won the situation. And everyone, like, looks around at me and they're just like, are you allowed to do that? Like, <laughs> and, 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 like, so, I mean, so, like, I obviously, like, what a little jerk. Like, <laughs> I, I, but I kind of learned that um, in a lot of ways, I kind of feel like that's the day I became an adult. Because I kind of learned, like, there, all these little uh, microaggressions, it, there is a certain level of posturing. And it's it, no one can really tell you what to do to a certain extent. And there are some people that learn this lesson by like skipping school and they figure, oh, if I skip school, like what are they actually going to do? Like it, I can be called a truant and I can get thrown into juvenile hall, but like it's I still skip school and I'm my own person. Uh, yeah. And that's like obviously not a successful route to go down. But what I learned was like if a teacher tries to force you into doing something and you're willing to accept the consequences, you can just not do it. Right, and right. like it, and it's the school's fault for making a game where we're supposed to like learn how to maximize the game. And if I choose that a middle result is fine with me, that should be fine. <laughs> <laughs> and like, and for whatever reason, that's just unacceptable to them. That like, not only can you take an AP class and just attend and do whatever, but you have to take an AP class and you have to expect yourself to get an A and you have to try your very hardest. And it's like, I, I don't want to be here. I don't like you. I don't like the class. Didn't want to take this class. And this is something I care about. Whether you think it's stupid or lower priority doesn't matter to me. Like <laughs> it, it's part of my identity. It's part of what I'm doing. Uh, and I cared about it. And so the way this actually happened was, uh, she cried. Uh, I got talked at a lot by a lot of people. Uh, when I went home, I the very first thing was I went to my mom and said, you're going to get a phone call from the principal and here's what happened. And I told the story to my mom. And um, yeah, and the, my parents uh, scolded me. I don't know how much I got like punished, punished, but I definitely got told like you were playing a, a bad game. Uh, <laughs> and um, which I mean, how much of that lesson I've actually learned, I guess I'm still thinking about it. So um, let's, let's, I don't know. Uh, but the, the, Results still ended up being that kind of one. I took the test on a different day and I didn't miss any band practice. Yeah. yeah. Um, and like, so it, it sucks. It sucks for everybody because I was a little jerk. Um, because in the end result was, um, yeah, she, she was right, right? I, the band practice would have gone on with me. Would have gone on without me. Uh, we, it wouldn't have actually impacted how well we did in our competitions in the long term, I don't think. Um, but the lesson I learned was we're all people. And people get to do more than they think they can. <laughs> there we go. There's your advice for for the week. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Whew. I can't believe I am telling that to anybody. Well, I mean, to be fair, she kind of brought it on herself. Like, you're going to challenge, like, I mean, obviously you had a little bit of a reputation already with her. Oh, for you sure. Challenge her, challenge that student in front of the entire class. What do you expect is going to happen? And honestly, like, yeah, not only with her, I would have had that reputation among everybody that, like, if if you were to segment out the the achievers in our class, um, say like the like the top fifteen kids by GPA, mm-hmm. um, just arbitrarily, and you said so, now, like, imagine the whole school is just these fifteen kids, and they're all really smart. So now that doesn't differentiate, um, which I think is actually true. That that whole class, I, I'll be really lucky that my class of kids had a lot of smart kids in there um 
and actually was like, I was lucky to be around them. <laughs> they were not lucky to be around me. Um, <laughs> but in that group, I was kind of the dangerous one. I, I, <laughs> shocking to you. I know. <laughs> um, but like, I was way more likely to like joke around and goof off too much in class. I was way more likely to speak out of turn. I was way more likely to have, um, maybe not bullying behavior. I don't think I ever went out of my way to like make life harder on any other student, but like, I would definitely like, um, I kind of fought harder to be the person that stood out. I wanted to be the tall poppy and I dared the teachers to cut me down. You know, <laughs> that's funny. And I think part of it was that I knew that like, um, I don't want to name the names of the people, but like the, like there was a girl that kind of, it was always a, we, we had a crush on each other, I think like in grade school, but then it never really turned into a thing once we were getting older high school. Like, but she's like, she was way smarter than me and everyone kind of knew it. And like everyone kind of knew that, that history there too. So the way I, I was never going to beat her on smarts. So I could beat her on just being a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> and like, and there's a couple other guys that were just, they were like, and like my my curse was that I was always in the top three of too many things, and I was never number one in anything. And I wanted to be number one at everything. Uh -huh, um, sure. And so that's how I stood out. And so I definitely had that reputation everywhere in high school. I think everyone <laughs> had to deal with me. Unfortunate for all the people around me, really. Um, like looking back, I would be so upset with myself now, um, knowing what I know about like how well that can be channeled. That kind of ambition can be dealt with. Mm -hmm. Um, because now I know, like, so imagine that exact same scenario, right? Let's say she makes the bad call again of insisting on handling this with her at the front of the room, me at the back of the room, everybody listening, putting it all out there right then. How much more of a power move is it to say, I I've got a couple nuances about why I would like to change that, that I don't feel is going to be best to discuss in front of everybody, but I promise you there's a good reason why I should not miss that practice and we should find a different day. I promise you we'll find a way that works for both of us. Like what a power move is that for a student to say to a teacher, <laughs> you know, like, and that could have been like so much better for everybody, but like sure. there was no way high school me was going to do that. No, there's no way any, I've never met a single high schooler. There's no teenager that has that kind of presence to say something like that. Yeah. So that's the person I try to be now. Like I, I aim for the high road every time and um, it often ends up leading to me like losing because I'm trying to take the high road and me kind of crying about it at home because I'm like, am I, am I too soft now <laughs> when, teenage Alex be ashamed of me, when I'm ashamed of teenage Alex, there's a lot of shame going around, um, <laughs> but yeah, um, you sound like like you're super like self aware. Like I was not that self aware when I was in high school. Like I, I can barely like tell you right now like what kind of kid I was in high school. <laughs> I go to I go to a lot of therapy, Danny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've done a lot of therapy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, all I have to say, uh, small high school that was definitely not. The thing that mattered. <laughs> Small high school was fine. I had a lot of problems. <laughs> so did you like it or not? I think the answer was yes. <laughs> yeah, sure. Let's go with that. I liked it. I liked it. It was good. I never wished it was bigger. I kind of always wished being in a bigger city. Um, yeah. But I, I never wished school was bigger. And actually, there's part of me that says, like, if, um, if my daughter could go to... 
I don't want to live in Murray, but if we could go to Murray and we go to, and she go to Murray High School, I'd be like totally fine with that. Like, yeah. I'm uh, I'm proud of Murray High School, and uh, it's it's been through a lot of changes since I've been there, and it I don't really feel like. I mean, I don't have any family there or anything, so Murray's not really my home anymore. I don't have a yearning to go back there, but uh, yeah, it was it's a great school. I was lucky to have had the opportunities I had there. Um, even just like like that, even trying to be trying to be in the top three of five things, it there's I couldn't go to a school in Louisville where I'd be in the top three of anything. I'm not that I, I'm not that driven. <laughs> 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 so yeah, like uh, it was. I guess it's really formative in that way. I'd be a very different person, so, and I'm fine with it. Nice. Yeah. I talked a lot here. Do you want to talk more? <laughs> you did. I'm fine with what? you talking more. This is a very Alex-heavy episode. Yeah, it's all good. Mm. Sorry, you just got, you really hit one of my stories there. I did. Um, you know, it's fine. DeLand Weldon High School is one of the smallest public schools in the state of Illinois with a total enrollment of 54 students as of October 2018. Are you reading Wikipedia at me? <laughs> <laughs> I bear my soul to you. You read Wikipedia <laughs> at me. <laughs> <laughs>